You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. I'm Matt. We're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And this week, Brad is back. Hey, guys. You thought you'd get away. We tortured you through the first Rambo. What made you return for, I mean, this mystery? We don't know what we're watching, but it is the second one in the Rambo franchise. What made you return? Well, it is a a, uh, world-class English mystery, but it is also the greatest cartoon movie that cartoon villains besides like predator that i've ever seen in my entire life so we have got to review this movie it shaped me let's solve this mystery matt what did we watch we're watching the first in a slew of confusing titles that come in the rambo franchise with rambo colon first blood part two from 1985 Rambo John Jay, born 7647, Bowie, Arizona, of Indian German descent. Joined the Army 8664, accepted Special Forces specialization, light weapons, cross-trained as medic, helicopter and language qualified. 59 confirmed kills, two silver stars, four bronze, four purple hearts, distinguished service cross, and medal of honor. Now, if there's any of our men at this POW target camp, you're to confirm their presence by taking photographs. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. Think you'll find someone? POWs? Doubtful. Did not expect a woman. You goddamn mercenaries. You know what the hell you've done? That's enough! Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. making a mistake. Yeah, what mistake? Rambo. Also known as Rambo 2 or Rambo 2 vs. Blood. First Blood, Rambo 2. <laughs> All of them. We we always looked for Rambo 2. And uh, I don't know if there was like a mess up in the like little shitty computer that the, the store had where we were at. But we were like, where's Rambo 2? And they could never find it. And because I think they listed it as First Blood Part 2. And they didn't even put Rambo in their computer. But Rambo 3 was under Rambo 3. I mentioned in the last episode that like 
this was one that I watched all the time growing up. My family had the VHS and we watched all the time. And we just strictly referred to this one as Rambo. Now I mentioned in the last episode that I hadn't even seen First Blood. I hadn't seen the first one. And uh, also too, just as we're jumping into the franchise, I never saw three until we reviewed it for here. Uh, So like really like, this is called Rambo First Blood Part Two, but to me, it was just Rambo. That was the title, and this was the one we watched. Oh man, that had to be even more confusing if I went over to your house. Yeah, I'd be like, "We're watching Rambo." That's what we would say, and then there would be this one. <laughs> no, no, it's Rambo Part Two, and then you have another kid like, "No, no, no, it's Rambo First Blood Part Two. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I I totally was like, uh, as I got older, I was totally the narc, and I was like, it's actually Rambo First Blood Part Two. It's a sequel because I was, you know, a, a nerd film film nerd growing up or whatever too. But like, like I said, shorthand, it was Rambo. This was the one we watched. All right, Brad, what is your history with Rambo, First Blood, Part 2, colon, The One in Vietnam? I believe we saw that at a drive-in theater in Hastings, Nebraska when I was a kid. Ooh, you man, so you saw the first two Rambos in the theater? That's crazy. Well, I mean, this one, you know, drive-through, but you know, you're, I mean, drive-in. Yeah, drive-in, whatever you want to call it, but the drive-through, yeah. But man, we saw this one, and it was like, this was like totally like... This is a movie that we would go on family vacations and like have the VHS player in the back of the car and we just watched nothing but Rambo the whole time. You had a VHS player in the back of your car? We were kind of loaded back then. So God, that's oh my god. We had like the uh, plug in to the uh, the cigarette lighter that oh, would power man. the VHS player that would power the uh, TV. That's crazy. You know what I had to do when I went on a family vacation? I had to read. It's fucking awful. Oh, <laughs> I do not recommend it, kids. Keep your Game Boys and your Switches. Oh, let's introduce this. Uh, so this was released on May 22nd, 1995 in the United States. I bring up the United States because I noticed this one didn't like make a big deal that it was released into China or anything like the first one. I couldn't find anything on it. So did and I don't know. I'm just asking you guys to brainstorm whatever you say is right. Do you think this was not allowed in China? I don't know if it wasn't allowed, but like sequels, as we knew that, as we know them today, still were in their infancy. They were still pretty early. And that's like, did people have kind of the interest in sequels then that they do now? And franchises and franchisability. I mean, 85 is kind of the middle of that. Like it's it's it has started, but like it's not like it is today where like the sequel is the only thing we care about. So I wonder if, yeah, the first one just came. That was the one. And sure, there was a second one or whatever, but the first one was the one we were interested in. That would be my guess. I would say the infancy of sequels. And I would say we're in 2021 and we really don't understand the Chinese market at this point. Oh, I mean, we, we still have a difficult time understanding the Chinese market, but I get it. And maybe they were turned off, but the Chinese don't like the Vietnamese and they, Rambo just kills a ton of Vietnamese in this movie. So I don't know what their aversion to that would be. Yeah, so I couldn't tell you. Looking at it, I, I just noticed that they didn't like, you know, brag about this doing well in China or, or overseas or anything like that. So anyway, this was released on a budget of twenty five point five million dollars. So we'll play the game with Matt. What 
is the box office. Let me tell you some movies that were coming out at the exact same time in May of 1985. A View to Kill. Code of Silence. That's a good film. I'm telling you right now, folks. Uh, we're gonna. That's Orion, you know, who distributed the first Rambo, or the first First Blood. Jesus. Uh, we had Gotcha and Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, I should mention this one too. Police Academy Two, their first assignment. It's another franchise, you know, that ended up having seven sequels in it. So that one must have done well as well. Yeah, if I were going to shout in the dark, guess again here, because I have no idea. But I'm assuming we got another three Rambo movies after this one. I'm assuming it made some good money. And the last one you said made a hundred something million, I think. Uh, so I'm going to say a hundred and twenty million. This one made. It's pretty close. I think it's pretty close. We had a confusion. 125 million point two for the first one, but then Brad said 156, and he might have had worldwide. So, just to help you out. Now, what was your guess again? 120. 120. Uh, not even close. 300.4 million dollars. What? I'm seeing like 150 based on my Wikipedia page here. Yeah, that might be worldwide. That sounds like worldwide. Three. Oh wow. Way off. Yeah, I'm guessing 150 was probably U.S. Then. I what are you telling me? I can't trust Wikipedia. I don't know. I was looking up. So maybe the person who, uh, who I read this from got this wrong because I didn't get it from Wikipedia or IMDb. Oh, well, it looks like I'm wrong. So uh, you were very close if we're going to go on the Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know. It's right. I'm checking box office mojo here because that's my kind of go to. So let's see what it says. It's got 150 million on box office mojo. Yep, yeah. So 150 international, one for so about 300 million worldwide. So that's where you were at, uh, basically. So domestic 150. So I was close, but still made more than I thought. It's enough to warrant a lot of sequels. I'm surprised they didn't do more sequels quicker, but maybe that had something to do with Stallone running out of fire or Stallone saying he didn't want to do anymore. You know, at this point, I, I think we were ready for sequels. You know, we had the fourth Rocky came out in 85. I think that we, you know, got our fourth or fifth Friday the 13th. I think we were ready. I think this was the beginning of it. This like this sequels were happening. Yeah. Yes. And that's probably why it made so much money. Plus, I don't know if you guys remember the teaser trailer or not so much. Remember, I, I know Matt and I did because. Matt wasn't born and I was way too young, but maybe Brad. The teaser trailer is just like Sylvester Stallone's muscles flexing, putting on his boots. He's putting his knife into his belt and then he's got his his fire, I believe. Yeah. And and then it shows him putting on his like headband and then it just goes Stallone is back in Rambo first blood part two. And you're just like, holy shit. And that came out a year before the movie came out. So that kind of is incredible. It came out in the summer of 1984. And it was huge. People, I mean, apparently, you know, really got people pumped up for this film to come out the next summer. Yeah, this this feels like we have crossed over into sort of the mainstream, into the zeitgeist. Like we are making popcorn entertainment Rambo here. Mm -hmm. And uh and it, yeah, I mean, it's 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 obvious like this is the movie that took it into the stratosphere, really, like it's not even talking about quality of the movie or anything like that. This just lit up pop culture. 
you got to remember too that was the time we boycotted the olympics in 1979 or 1980 against the russians because they invaded afghanistan and the 1984 olympics basically it was held in uh in la and all the soviet bloc countries boycotted so it was just a landslide amount of gold medals for the united states and our allies and you were basically playing this to an to an american a pro-american crowd who wanted to see a pro-american movie to me the start of the uber patriotism the flag humping patriotism in a lot of ways yeah we did talk about how in the other in the in the last movie and stuff this movie yeah it's like you've got an american coming and shooting up a bunch of russians and stuff and it is sort of like uh, carnage porn but like it is also still questioning america's sort of reason for the machine the war machine and everything like that so it, it isn't full on reagan era like americana of america america is the best no one's better this is and that's the end of the story we're still questioning things with this rambo we're still like hey we love america but america doesn't love us back type thing is what this movie is saying still so there is still a little bit of that it isn't as full-on hoorah america as some of the other maybe like the canon movies of this time i mean it did spawn off a ton of john rambo ripoff films um you know two of the biggest ones i can think about is missing in action all the Chuck Norris movies, and then Deadly Prey that came out. Now, Deadly Prey came out two years after this one, but, I mean, that's the perfect timing for these ripoffs. I mean, this is... People couldn't get enough Rambo, and these smaller companies knew it. I mean, Canon jumped in it right away. Uh, And Canon, in fact, released their Mission in Action, which was actually Mission in Action 2. We talk about that in one of our first episodes where... Which is actually Mission in Action. No, did we do Missing in Action 3? Yeah, we did. Similarly to this title, Braddock, colon, Missing in Action 3. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's so many of these. Uh, America couldn't get enough of them. Was that the one? That was one Chuck Norris didn't get paid for? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one where they were in some financial trouble. Yeah, Cannon was falling apart. It was literally on fire. It was basically what was happening in Vietnam when we uh, when all the troops left. It was like a scorched earth left behind. Uh, some fun pre-production notes. Nowhere near as much as the first one. Uh, this one pretty much came together, but most of this is about the rights changing hands. But a few more, you know, the, this movie is directed by George P. Cosmateos. Uh, he's Italian. Cosmatos, maybe his name is pronounced. Cosmatos. Cosmatos. He directed Cobra, Leviathan, and Tombstone. And I wonder if... You know, did Stallone pick him to do Cobra because he knew him and he knew he could basically just bully his way through the entire production? I don't know about that because uh, Cosmatos has a very distinct style. Unlike Ted Kochif from the last movie, who, like I mentioned, was more like a journeyman director, just a, a director for hire. Cosmatos has a vision. And I think you could tell his movies. You could tell, like, the stamp that's on this and Cobra and Tombstone. He does action movies very well. And I think that's maybe why he was chosen for this was just that sort of visual flair and his his, uh, knack for pacing and things like that because this movie just rips and roars. And I I think that this time it's coming from the director. The reason I brought that up is because Tombstone, he's known as a ghost director for Kurt Russell. 
Now, is that true? I don't know. I haven't researched it. Val Kilmer brought it up in his uh, Val movie that just came out for Amazon briefly. He mostly talked about, you know, himself in the movie, which is, you know, the whole point of the Val movie there. But he talked about how people have called that a Kurt Russell directed film. And that's the only reason I brought it up. Really, that's all that was brought up in that movie. And I don't know, but I've heard I've read that. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to sort of take apart his career. But uh, like I said, he's just he's got he's got action down and he has the clout and the filmography for it. So again, and all of it, too, could have come from this movie, too, because like this, this like you were saying with all the knockoffs and stuff, this movie kind of changed the game for action movies. Yeah. And this director is definitely known for his absurd cuts. They didn't really talk about it much in the behind the scenes in this one. But, you know, he his original cut came in at like two and a half hours, which I mean, there's a lot of directors who do that. But Leviathan also had a legendary, ridiculous uh, runtime and same thing with Tombstone. So all these movies, what I'm saying is this director, same thing with Cobra. This director should have nothing to do with editing. He might be fantastic at visuals, but just don't edit. (laughs) Yeah. And luckily here we have... uh... Our good, our good friend uh, Mark Goldblatt, who is Mister Editor, working on this movie too. So I'm sure that helped as well. I thought the screenplay was by I thought the screenplay was by Sloan and Cameron, though. Do you guys explain to me like how do you cut out Jimbo Cameron out of this? Like, so they didn't use any of Jim Cameron's story so much, but he did get, I guess, a little bit of his story um, carried into it. So here's what Stallone recalled. I think that James Cameron is a brilliant talent. I thought the politics were important, such as right-wing stance coming from Trotman and his nemesis Murdoch, contrasted by Rambo's obvious neutrality, which I believe is explained in Rambo's first speech. I realize the speech at the end may have caused millions of viewers to burst veins in their eyeballs by rolling them excessively, but the sentiment stated was conveyed to me by many veterans. In his ori- James Cameron's original draft, it took nearly 30 to 40 pages to have any action initiated, and Rambo was partnered with a tech-savvy sa- tech sidekick. So it was more than just politics that were put into the script. There was also a simpler storyline. If James Cameron says anything more than that, then he realizes he's now doing the backstroke badly in a pool of lies. Well, that quote got a little dark at the end, but... Uh, From what I could understand and other things is James Cameron thought it was really important to have politics play a heavy part in the story. And I think that's what stayed. But then you you mentioned like uh, Rambo's sort of neutrality between it, you know. Mm -hmm. So it is it is interesting. Um, Yeah, I just it seems like how funny would it have been if he had a tech sidekick that would have absolutely fucking been a james cameron movie uh but the thing about rambo is yeah you never know like rambo doesn't really he never declares himself as a democrat or republican he's just he's just rambo you know he's just american dude i guess that's the neutrality of it like he's just playing the good guy he's just doing no matter what he's going to do the right thing in this film he's going after the pow's they don't deserve to be kept in a prison you know and, and i'm sure other storylines going down, they try to play that part. Some of the movies are more successful than the others. Uh, but basically, he's like he's like this neutral fish swimming in this ocean of politics. Yeah, I didn't talk about it that way, but that's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think instead of just being one way, 
it's a little murky. And I, I think that's what makes it more interesting. A neutral fish being taken advantage of by people along the way. A neutral fish who like really gets the body count up in this. I think I read somewhere he kills like 74 people in this film. And he didn't purposely kill anyone in the first film. Now he inadvertently threw the rock at the helicopter, which killed the cop who fell on the rock. But in this film, he goes nuts. You speak if you speak Russian or if you speak Vietnamese, like you have a very short lifespan in this movie. If you do speak Vietnamese, you better be a beautiful woman. Yeah, it's the only way you're surviving Rambo in this thing. Whew. So here's here's another one. This is my last note on the pre-production here. Producers wanted John Travolta. Now this connects to James Cameron's story. James Cameron wanted a techie sidekick. The producers wanted John Travolta to be the techie sidekick. And Stallone vetoed that idea. No way is Stallone going to share the screen with John Travolta in 1985. That shit's not happening. Yeah, it would have been quite the buddy sort of action thing. And I, yeah, it wouldn't have played. It wouldn't have worked at all. And those egos would not have let (laughs) that happen, period. Maybe if Cameron were directing or something like that, he could have maybe wrangled something like that. But uh when Stallone's in charge here like this, no way. Too much machismo to uh, be sharing the screen with somebody else of that star caliber at the time. No, oh, yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking back to my like childhood days. This is like we're talking, we're talking Rambo, 1985. We're talking Predator in what 1987. We're talking Terminator. We're talking Terminator 2. I mean, this is just like the wheelhouse of like what raised me as a child here. Top Gun, 1986, by the way. Come on. And you can listen to Brad and I talk about Top Gun and Iron Eagle 1. <laughs> just go back the fast. I don't know what number. Just search it. So I guess a Top Gun sequel is coming out at some point. But... Eventually. One day. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this year. <laughs> uh, question marks all over the question place. Question mark. <laughs> Maybe coming soon. Coming soon to a Paramount Plus near you, probably more likely. Uh. Yeah, I mean, there's a larger there's larger gap between the end of the Korean War than between Top Gun than there was between Top Gun and like the current then today now. So, you want to talk about this box? Yeah, I do. This are, now this is the one that has the HBO Video that I know about because uh, you mentioned that HBO Video came out with the first and second. This is the black. You do you're talking about the black box. I've got a beautiful clamshell here of Rambo 2. It's not the full Disney clamshell, but it's the kind of mini, nice, you know, handheld uh, box. So it's a little little smaller. It's white, actually. Uh, but yes, it is the Thorn EMI HBO video. And it is quite a sight to behold. I'm just going to get into it here. It's Here's our tagline at the top. Rambo mania is spreading faster than the firestorm set by the hero's explosive warheads. Time magazine. What a mouthful. And then we get Sylvester Stallone's name. We get him with a rocket launcher or something like that. It's kind of The tip is kind of cut off. Um, and he's all ripped and jacked. And he's got scars. And he's got paint on him. He's got the, of course, headband. And that uh, iconic haircut here. And then down at the bottom, it says Rambo First Blood Part 2. And we have a little like painted animated image of him with the uh, bow and arrow, the exploding bow and arrow thing uh, right next to the title here. And then all set behind him is just flames. It's it's wonderful. And it bleeds over to the side here, too. 
because it's a clamshell, you just can't, the fire still continues off on the side where it has like the uh, thorny MI HBO logo as well. Flipping it over to the back, here's our little description, which is kind of underneath our credit block. Rambo First Blood Part 2 is the explosive sequel to the box office smash hit First Blood. John Rambo is recruited for a highly secret and dangerous mission in the jungles of Vietnam to locate missing American POWs. Unbeknownst to Rambo, his mission has been compromised before it begins. Deserted by his own team, Rambo is left as a lone survivor in the hostile, hostile jungle with only his knife, bow, and arrows. Rambo, with the help of a Vietnamese girl, struggles against deadly odds. Triumphant, yet betrayed, he vows to bring his own brand of revenge to all those who have become his enemies. And we get two little stills. We get Rambo again with the bow and arrow kind of walking through the jungle. And then Rambo and I believe the uh, girl running away from an explosion, it looks like. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's when the mortars were going off, but... Her name is Julia Nixon. Like I've asked some uh, biographies of this film. Like she said, like years later, like thirty years after this film, she'd be filling up her gar with gas, and someone would come to her, like, "You are not expendable, Rambo." Oh God, really? That's how just monumental that role was. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because she's, I think she is a Vietnamese uh, actress. She's uh, Singapore. Oh, Singapore. She, okay, she's Singapore. Yeah, but she plays Agent Pum. Now, she clearly spoke better English, I think, than her character. Oh, yeah. She is doing like a voice. Yeah. She's doing like um, an accent, I guess you would say. But that is not her. She, I think. Well, we've seen her. We we talked at length about her in Amityville, uh, New Generation. But uh, we've seen her before. And yeah, she doesn't actually talk like this. No. That's what I was trying to get to. She's like. I wonder if it, it was so young in her career she, she didn't fight back, but part of me would think, like, you know, there's a lot of people in, you know, Singapore, say, or probably even Vietnam, that, like, we don't all sound like that, but I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to paint the story for the Western market, you know, the, you know, people in Omaha or yeah, definitely Missouri. Definitely a stereotype, yeah. If, if it's a stereotype, yeah, where it's like, you're not expendable, Rambo. This character went from a techie sidekick that John Travolta might have played to a sidekick that was going to die to a female to a female Vietnamese sidekick who then dies again because apparently they thought about keeping the sidekick, you know, probably sell toys and stuff like that. Love interest. Yeah. Also, also a little bit of a love interest. Yeah. I think Stallone added her, like added the final product of her character. It was the one bit of romance, and then like she gets killed, and like all of a sudden he just goes and like explodes the guy with the, with the arrow. Yeah, well, Stallone's always looking for an excuse to go off in his films, so I imagine he would be like, "Okay, great, she's a sidekick, Vietnamese uh, lady, pretty hot, got that stereotypical voice. I need one more thing. I got it." What if she dies so I can go off and kill everyone at the end? Okay, I've sold myself on this. Put it in the script. Everyone just looks around like, okay, Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it works. I mean, it's a memorable character. And yeah, she she also, like Richard Crenna, has some great lines, like the expendable line uh, that people quote all the time. It literally led to another franchise that Stallone created. 
but like i mean come on she appears on screen and she's like breathtaking she's like one of the most stunningly beautiful actresses ever (laughs) when she shows up in this movie so i mean good casting she's party yeah (laughs) yeah i much prefer that over like uh john travolta yuck yuck (laughs) well i'm trying to think what what kind of tech would he be savvy with in 1985 you know it's like those gigantic computers with all the green letters across the screen where i mean what it would always it'd be pornography of some sort i can promise you that (laughs) uh i mean either way he would have taken that tech and he would have made it creepy because it's john travolta yeah yucky Yucky, yucky. All right. Before we pop this tape in, we want to remind you to go out there and rate and review us on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube. You know, it helps quite a bit. We do a lot of work, so we need those reviews. Keep them up. Thanks. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Seriously, guys, just do it. (laughs) All right. Let's pop this tape in. Matt, did we get any trailers? We did not, but I did. I did want to point out that I thought this was pretty interesting, and I don't know what this is probably a rights thing or whatever. So I watched some of this on my VHS, and I watched some of this on my DVD, and I found it interesting that at the beginning of this movie, um, obviously, other than the Thorn EMI video logo. By the way, there are no trailers, but uh, we get the Thorn EMI HBO video logo, and then it leads to the Carloco logo, which we know is the C that you know follows through and whatever. We've seen it with Terminator and Total Recall and things like that. And then, but on the DVD, when you watch the DVD, it is the TriStar logo that comes up at the beginning of the movie before the movie starts which is not at all on the vhs so i thought that was interesting and of course the dvd was like put out by Lionsgate, so that's not you know that's not the reason that the tristar logo is there plus it's the old 80s tristar logo the horse running and stuff like that so i just thought it was interesting like i don't know maybe tristar is who put it out in theaters or something and then video was just carloco and that's maybe why and then when they made the dvd they just put the theatrical logo on it but i just thought it was interesting and how we were talking about in the last episode how this movie these franchise was kind of tossed around from company to company that really with this movie i mean there's three different companies logos that it, depending on what your format you're watching it on you're going to see at the beginning of the movie i enjoyed the nostalgia of all like of all those logos really oh yeah the trimark one especially but i mean for me personally is always the orion and when i saw that orion wasn't on this after reading and doing all the research that i did on the script changing and everything and the film rights i'm like what the how did Orion let this go? And then I looked up that they sold the international rights to, you know, this and then ended up selling the actual film rights to uh, TriStar to distribute. And I just don't understand because I couldn't figure out. I was like, why would you do that? Did they think this film would, you know, did they think like a sequel wasn't going to make any money? Did they just do it because they didn't believe in us i don't know could they not afford what sort of they had in mind for the sequel at the time who knows like what what was it sequel uncertainty still like we were talking about at the beginning who knows but i just think it's so weird how this like i said this franchise just gets tossed around and it's it's an it's an everlasting franchise we just had an installment come out a couple of years ago but for like it regardless they're still like 
doesn't even matter who is owning this. It's somebody different every single time. <laughs> yeah, but but Carloco stuck with this. Now, I don't know if they stick around for the third one. We'll have to find out later when we watch it, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated that why the hell would Orion get rid of this? And I couldn't really find a reason why. Oh, well, it's a mystery. Oh, well. Okay, let's get into the feature presentation here. And now, our feature presentation. So here you go. Three years after the events in Hope, Washington, former U.S. Army Green Beret John Rambo receives a visit from his former mission commander and old friend, Colonel Sam Tartman. While serving five years of hard labor, Rambo is offered a mission to knock time off of his sentence to help the U.S. government on a solo infiltration mission to confirm reports of a small group of POWs left in enemy custody in Vietnam. Destroying the town, doing all the stuff that he does. Do we think Rambo just gets five years of hard labor? Well, I thought this movie was at the three years after, but I, originally I thought the... Well, it is. It's three years after the events. It's three years after the events of Hope. Well, so is it 1975 or is it 1985 we're, we're talking about? I think we're talking about 1985. He says in the movie it's 1985. Yeah. So the, the events happened in 1982 in Hope, Washington. He's serving a five-year sentence that would be carried through 1987, but three years, yeah, three years after the incident okay, in so 1985. My, my timeline is reset. Okay, we, we're on here. Well, here's what, I looked at this two ways. I was like, five years for all the destruction he did? Maybe, you know, a judge would go easy on him because of the Medal of Honor and stuff like that. But he's three years into his sentence of five years. How much are you cutting off his sentence where he would go, you know, and put his himself in, you know, the line of fire and stuff like that? I was wondering, I was like, maybe they should have just waited two years, like if there's three years left on the sentence. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe because he heard POWs, he's going to do whatever he can to help the prisoners of war. Or maybe Troutman, maybe Troutman wanted to get another promotion, so that's why he came and grabbed his boy. So that's how that, that kind of works. Why don't you time. say he's serving 10 years and he's three years into it? Then seven years left on your sentence, you probably would do it. I have no idea. I think that a lot of this, too, has has to do with like Troutman's pull in his, you know, in his position. He's probably been able to get Rambo a shorter sentence. He's he's able to pull him out, which like I don't think anybody else would be able to do. So like he I think it's all tied to his just sort of pull in his ranking. Yeah, and he is caught in this pounding those rocks. Yeah, he's just uh, he's just jacked right now. This is Peak Stallone right here. Yeah, this is the Rambo four or I mean sorry, Rambo two, Rocky Four Stallone, where he is just I mean, he's so in shape that he can he actually passes out. I think he passed out in Rocky Four from having such little uh, body fat. He probably did the same thing in this one. But luckily, they were smart enough not to let him do all of his own stunts. Good decision, guys. <laughs> Jesus. This dude is insane. But let's continue on here. Rambo is taken to meet Marshall Murdoch, the bureaucrat overseeing the operation. Rambo is temporarily reinstated into the U.S. Army and instructed only to take pictures of the suspected POW camp and not to rescue any prisoners or engage in enemy personnel, as they will be retrieved by a better equipped extraction team upon his return. Okay, that's the my official written description. Here's what I'm going to say, and I want you guys just to just go off on it. 
did you hear that they're like, oh, we put uh, we put all these details into a computer and we printed out three names and John Rambo's one of them. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, your name was dug from one of three from a computer. Only three people are capable of parachuting out and taking pictures? Yeah, and who are the other two? <laughs> and, like, are they worse than prisoners? These guys could have been entire other movies under themselves, really. Well, I hope one of them's Chuck Norris. Probably Braddock. <laughs> yeah. But they couldn't use him because he was missing in action. Eh? Three times. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was like a way to, you know, set your... Basically, we don't trust computers in this movie, so... Oh, I love how this movie's trying to set up that they're so, like, heavy tech. They're like, oh, we're going to be able to keep you safe with all of our technology, Rainbow. I can't Rainbow. believe I watched this movie so many times. I, I didn't realize this is also a revenge movie against tech. Against big tech. Uh, maybe. Me bl- blows up before, a lot of computers. Before big tech even existed. My thing is, is like, how is this tech going to actually protect him? Like, they don't actually sell it. No, it's just a bunch of dudes smoking cigarettes, like watching like things go bleep bloop, bleep bloop. Yeah. And like all the little bitty printers are printing out shit all the time. They're like, what's on those? And it's just like probably drawings from the guys. Oh, don't look. Don't look. Uh, important information. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of guys drawing boobs on stuff. On, you know. <laughs> During the insurrection, Rambo's parachute becomes tangled and breaks, causing him to lose his guns and most of his equipment. But. Luckily, he is left with his knife, his bow, and his arrows. <laughs> uh, now, Brad, you ever jumped out of a plane? Well, do you notice the uh, the uh, pilot of that plane was Erickson from uh, Karate Kid? Yes. And he was in VFW, too, also. Remember, just awesome. Just a great performer. He pops up in a lot of 80s films that I completely forget about, like this one. I forgot he was in it. He doesn't do much in this film, which is disappointing. Yeah, he's like the and in the credits. So he I and not to say that it's like today or whatever, where, you know, the and usually gets paid the most or whatever, because I'm sure that wasn't the case with Stallone. But like he, he I don't know if he was beginning to be a name because this was the same year as Karate Kid or what. But, yeah, Martin Cove, he is he is the and in it. I don't know. When I saw Martin Cove, I thought he was definitely going to get into a fight with Rambo or someone. And really, I think he just gets punched by Rambo and then it's over. Yeah, that's kind of all he does in the movie. And to answer your earlier question, no, I never jumped out of an airplane, so. Okay. I, I didn't know if you had any airborne experience, but if your chute gets caught like this, I imagine your body would slam against the side of the airplane over and over and you'd be dead. Yeah, yeah, I would assume the physics would like probably lead to that outcome, yeah. Now, here's my second one question. Let's say he doesn't die and he hasn't slammed against the plane several times. Shouldn't the guy who's right outside the door just cut his strap? Yeah. Yeah. He's like just trying to pull it off. It doesn't seem like he's like actually making a move to cut it off or anything like that. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't do it. He literally does nothing because he couldn't, you know. Yeah, since you're moving 400 miles an hour, you'd figure like the the tension there would make it so that no matter how strong you are, you could not pull that off from that that position that it's in that. Yeah, he's just like, I, don't, I can't get it off. So like, if these are specialists in dropping troops in to enemy lines, they don't have a fucking knife. They've never experienced this where it gets caught. That was the one thing where I'm like, well, this seems a little stupid. But then when he cuts all of his equipment, loses his camera, it cracks me up that like just luckily enough, he's still got his knife. I understand that that's on his body. 
But when he still has his bow and arrow and explosive tip arrows, <laughs> that just made me crack up. Yeah. But and then they were going like 400 miles. They're going like 400 miles an hour. So he'd have been like off course by how many miles would that be? Like, oh, I, I don't know, because he was caught up there for at least five minutes of screen time in the jungle. You're trying to like track through the jungle, too. You can't like basically you can't sprint through the jungle. I mean, maybe two miles an hour. You can make your best time. So. Well, then he just meets his contact immediately. He's just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Right on time. How's it going, Co? Hi, I made it, found it. He meets his assigned contact, a young Vietnamese intelligence agent named Co Boa. Is that her last name? Po Bao. Po Bao. Bao? I don't know. Um, I just know her as Co, uh, who arranges for a local band of river pirates to take them upriver. I love these river pirates. You knew right away, well, these guys can't be trusted. <laughs> I'm just hammered all the time. And then when they show him the rocket launcher, and I go, well, that's coming back. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? These 80s action films crack me up because they like, you know, when they're going to do a callback, they like hammer it in your head. It can't be subtle. It's got to be hammered in your head. Check it out. I got a rocket. I got a Soviet rocket. I got a Soviet rocket launcher, a Soviet RPG here. It's like we're never gonna see this again for the rest of the movie. Remember, Russian. I got these from the Russians. Oh, okay. So those aren't gonna be used against the Russians at any point. Okay, let's see. Rambo reaches the camp and spots a POW tied to a cross-shaped post and rescues him against orders. During his escape, the river pirates turn against Rambo and Bo. Co. Damn it. Remember he shoots that guy in the he shoots the guy in the forehead too. Remember the first guy Rambo kills, like I think that Viet, that poor Viet, that poor like teenager Vietnamese bastard who's like shot in the gets shot in the forehead by Rambo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, when, and then when they turn against him, it forces the POWs and Co to jump off the boat while Rambo kills the pirates and destroys the Vietnamese gunboat, chasing them with the pirates' own RPG. I thought he used that rocket launcher to at the end of the movie which i don't want to bring up yet but he actually blows up the boat that rocket launcher yes but yeah so there's two now i do the kill that like stands out to me is when he stabs a guy through the roof of the boat and all the blood just comes like pouring out like a nerf gun uh or you know like a super soaker i was like oh sweet that's the that's the kill i love to see with the rambo knife that's really the second quarter of this movie though uh, this is we're already in totally new territory from the first one. If we're kind of talking linking the franchise here, like by the time we get Rambo killing kind of these first dudes and stuff like that, like we are, this is a different movie for sure. And yeah, it's gorier, it's way more violent. And yeah, Rambo does not have his kind of no kill thing that he is doing in the first one. This is carnage candy. Oh, I know it's so good. So Rambo leaves Co and continues on his extraction helicopter uh, continues on to his extraction helicopter while dodging bullets and mortar blasts but the helicopter leaves them because rambo has disobeyed orders uh oh now they found one of ours and like everyone out troutman to me in this scene i think seems a little naive that they would leave him he's like he's right there what are you guys doing I can't believe you're doing this and they put a gun to his head and i was like he should have known these people were shady right this guy, this colonel's seen some shit. I mean, he literally says at some point in the movie, like how typical this is or whatever, you know, like he, he makes a reference to it. So he's 
Yeah, I don't know if he's just blissfully ignorant or what, but like he knows, he knows deep down. I mean, Troutman wouldn't take a Coke from that space agey Coca-Cola machine. (laughs) (laughs) Like those guys are so badass that they don't even use coins to get the like Cokes out of there. They just rip open the door and take them like that's tough. And Uh, they're wet. They're wet, wet bodies. Yeah. Oh, my God. When I was 12, I did the same thing. So you guys need to knock it off there. You had the key or did you just rip open the door? We had our Coke machine. We had the key. I just would open it up and just grab one. My God, that's the dream right there. As a kid, that is the dream. <laughs> yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget the first time I experienced like a vending machine at like a job or somewhere where that was like free, you know, like you just went up to it and hit it. That was it was life changing for me. <laughs> oh, it is. It's it's power. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, I want to get them all now. <laughs> Did that make me a fascist? I don't know if it made you a fascist, but it just made you an overlord. I mean, you had the key. You could do it. You were the king, the king of Coke. No, wait, that's Joel Silver. That's Joel Silver. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. that guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Co watches as Rambo and the POWs are recaptured and returned to the camp. When Trotman confronts Murdoch, he reveals that he never intended to save the POWs, explaining that Congress expected Rambo to find nothing, and that even if he did... Murdoch would simply leave him to die, avoid having to deal with the issue any further. Troutman is is then told he will be removed from the mission to keep him from trying to help Rambo on his own. Oh, this is where it just this is where it just goes into like just batshit insane territory. This movie from here on out. Yep, the bureaucratic bullshit. Oh God, we're setting up some amazing lines. Oh man, when he's getting tortured. Yeah. Okay, so. Rambo learns that Soviet troops are working with the Viet Cong army. Rambo is tortured by Colonel Podolsky and Sergeant Yushin. They force him to contact Mission Control, but he refuses. Podolsky threatens to kill the prisoner that Rambo saved earlier, and Rambo agrees to talk to his superiors. On the radio, Rambo instead threatens Murdoch by saying, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. Thunderstrike! Rambo overpowers the Russians and escapes with Ko, who snuck into the camp dressed as a prostitute. Murdoch. He's here. Rambo, this is Murdoch. We're glad you're alive. Where are you? Give us your position and we'll come to pick you up. opinion on the prostitute stuff it's typical for these type of movies it, it all they always have this like the whether it's vietnam or whatever whatever place they're in it's always they always have like the uh the prostitutes and the prostitute scenes and stuff like that and like you know what it was a good cover for her to get in yeah i wasn't i didn't live over there i wasn't over there but i assume that's a common trope for what people would be expecting yeah my only comment is the conan <laughs> And she came in with all the makeup and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, that's why she's in this film. (laughs) She's a good actress, too. But I was just like, okay, all right, I get it. She's a knockout. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I would almost, like, if I were those guards, I wouldn't believe that she was. I'd be like, no, 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 you look too good. <laughs> you have all your teeth. I'm skeptical. And, you know, she gets the whole machine gun and gets him out. And what's really weird is, you like, you had this touching moment where she wants to go to the United States with Rambo, and John's like, yeah, I'll take you. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the this movies that taught me all my romantic skills right there. You hurt bad. Sorry. Right. Listen up. What you did back there, I won't forget it. Thanks. What you do now? Try getting across to Thailand? Yeah. Then go America? Yeah. You take me with you? It's like, yeah, I'll take you to America. No problem. Boom, shot dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, I'm going to just slip up my, uh, I'm going to bury my girlfriend of the last 10 minutes, and I'm going to go put together my murderous bow and arrow. Oh, I know. So Rambo agrees to take Ko to the United States and they kiss. As they start moving again, a small Vietnamese force attacks the pair and Ko is killed. And an, an enraged Rambo guns down the soldiers and buries Ko in the mud while taking her necklace to remember her by. It's funny. I remember people talking about the necklace and I forgot about it. I only remember him doing like the entire montage to get ready to do some damage you know putting on like tightening up the bandana and stuff you know now that you mentioned this i remember like hearing about a deleted scene where he just goes and puts his hands over the uh either her body or the mound of dirt and goes like no and it just got this uproarious laughter and they just like we have got to cut this from the movie that doesn't surprise me i mean Stallone loves test screenings. He and he uses them. He uses them really well. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean he he makes mass market movies. He's making movies for the people. So if the, you know that's what he wants. And yeah, he's going to ham it up like that. Look at look at this movie. Of course he's going to ham it up. Oh <laughs> yeah. So Rambo goes absolutely nuts killing the Vietnamese officer who killed Ko with one of his explosive tipped arrows. Yeah, and in, 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 a, in a very dramatic way, too. Oh, Jesus. That, that shot's amazing. He <laughs> <laughs> shoots him with an explosive arrow and it blows him to pieces. It's what Cannon, like, like Cannon watched it and said, like, we can do that? We're putting that in every film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when I first saw this movie as a little kid, I think it was on somewhere, you know, one of the families house was watching the vhs or whatever and i was kind of fading in and out not really paying attention but the moment that guy got blown up i, I like scream laughed i thought it was hysterical and then i was tuned in then i was like all right what's going on in this movie but i mean that movie that moment to me is so iconic and so like tied to sort of the beginning of me with this movie and with this franchise to me i think that's the official shot where it turns into a cartoon I mean, you could point to a few other ones before that and everything, but that's officially where I'm like, okay, this is over the top. This is 
now gone to a point that it can never return from. You know what I mean? It's no longer serious right now. It's cartoon violence at this point. Yeah. Rambo dodges a barrel bomb dropped by Yushin's helicopter. Yushin is the sidekick Russian, by the way. Rambo climbs on board and throws Yushin's to his death. Yeah, to a a board a helicopter that looks looks very similar to a U.S. Blackhawk helicopter, not like anything the Russians like had in their inventory. Well, that's funny because like I read about that, and he takes control of the helicopter. What I thought was how do you learn to fly a how do how do first off how do you learn to fly a helicopter? How do you learn to fly a Russian a Soviet helicopter? Rambo can do all this amazing stuff with guerrilla warfare and everything like that. That I understand, but how many Green Berets then? on their like off time then learn how to fly a helicopter really freaking hard to fly a helicopter if any green berets out there are listening <laughs> write us in can you fly a helicopter our, our top market that we cover <laughs> i mean i could see them learning it after they retired you know for fun or maybe they want a, a pilot's license but i don't know i this it's Rambo, you know. They're selling right now that he can do anything. He's he's no longer a man. He's a superhero. He can fly a helicopter that's like with the controls written in Russian. Yeah, he can do. Like I said, I mean, language is nothing to him. That's how powerful Rambo is, uh, or how delusional Stallone is. Whichever. Uh, Rambo lays waste to the prison camp and wipes out the rest of the enemy forces. Before extracting the POW. God, this is like this. I love this scene so fucking much, though. I love that whole scene so much. I mean, I still just watch that right now as an adult. and just like, oh, this is fucking great. Oh, yeah. Podetsky pursuing them in a helicopter gunship seemingly shoots the helicopter down and moves in for the kill. Having faked the crash, Rambo uses a rocket launcher to destroy the aircraft, killing Podetsky. I don't know what type of helicopter he was driving, but that thing looked awesome. I think it's a variation of the Soviet Hind helicopter oh. family. Like, I can't say for certain. But one thing I can say for certain is that all the guys behind Rambo, when he fires off that rocket launcher, would probably have been incinerated. That would have been a bad burn. I think Hot Shots. Didn't Hot Shots make fun of it? Hot Shots Paul D? Uh, I think he fired a rocket launcher in, like, the the after, you know, burn or whatever that they had from the rocket launcher like burned a guy's mustache or something like that no okay a hush over the crowd no one remembers i don't remember but it's like it's the entertainment value though is not to be diminished last movie paragraph rambo returns to the base with the pow's after using the helicopter's machine gun to destroy murdoch's office confronts the terrified man with his knife Demanding that Murdoch rescue the remaining POWs, Trotman tries to convince Rambo to return home now that he has been pardoned. When Rambo refuses, Trotman asks what he wants. An angry Rambo responds that he only wants his country to love its soldiers as much as its soldiers love it. Trotman asks Rambo how he will live now, to which Rambo says, Day to day. With that, the film credits roll as Rambo walks off into the distance. The war, everything that happened here may be wrong, but damn it, don't hate your country for it. Hey, I die for it. And what is it you want? I want what they want. And every other guy who came over here has built his guts 
and gave everything he had once for our country to love us as much as we love it. That's what I want. How we live, John. Day by day. What do we think of the ending here, boys? Here we got Frank, Frank Stallone, Stallone song. <laughs> uh, I call him God Stallone. He well, you've you've got the shirt on again, still, <laughs> of course. He's a lot better singer than me. He's a lot better singer than me, so give him that. He's more than a man, but he's less than a god. He's a tiny god, a tiny god musician. He's, he's Frank. Frank Stallone. So as a kid, I remember watching this with my uncle. Uh, maybe it was on TV or something like that. And when he's firing the gun in the air, I asked my uncle, why is he wasting all of his bullets? And my uncle just goes, because it looks cool. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that that explains 95% of the 80s action franchise stuff uh, <laughs> right there. That's, that's 80s action movie logic. Why? Because it looks cool. That scene right there where he's blowing up all the computers and firing the gun in the air is literally a gif. Yes. I yes. sent it to you guys. Yes. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's gif worthy. Ugh. So I was doing some research here too. So I was looking at this movie. It got nominated for one Academy Award and let me count how many Razzies. Razzie for worst picture, worst actor, worst screenplay, worst original song, Worst supporting actor. What? Worst new star, worst director. And it Come. won the Razzies for worst picture, worst actor, worst screenplay, worst original song, worst supporting actress. Oh, actually, it didn't lose. Yeah, actually, it didn't win. Worst supporting actress for the Razzies. But come on, guys. It was, it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. Yeah, the Golden Raspberries can go fuck themselves. No one talks shit about Frank Stallone. Well, I, think they, I think they got it fucking wrong here because I was looking at what actually won that year, which was like this movie. Have you guys ever heard of a movie out of Africa? I mean, I've heard of it and I've never seen it and I have no Yeah, interest. I know what it is, but I've never seen it. Imagine I'm renting a movie today, like if we had rental movies and it's like, what are we going to watch today? Rambo 2 or out of fucking Africa? Does anyone watch Out of Africa nowadays? <laughs> the Oscars and and anything kind of awards baity and stuff like that, they're not plugged into sort of pop culture or what you know people are actually interested in watching. They're interested in whatever is highfalutin and you know what what looks good on paper to nominate at that time. So like, I, I think it's interesting though too that like this was nominated for. Razzies at the time and now has gone on to become sort of an iconic 80s action film. I'm wondering if, you know, you were in sort of a film world in 1985, 86, how this movie was kind of considered. Was it kind of considered just like too over the top and silly or like, and I'm not talking about like the Oscars. I'm just talking about if you're a film fan at this time, like kind of like, you know, we are today or whatever. But if you're like a kind of a super film fan in 86, 85, like, are you thinking that this is too much or are you immediately on board with it? I'm, I'm really curious sort of the how, you know, people our age at that time viewed this movie. Yeah, that, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, critics trash this at the time because they're like, well, this is a far the apples 
fallen far from the tree. You know, like the the first one had a deep, insightful message about Vietnam veterans. And then this one, they just said it was a cartoon. And I do get it because it was so jarring. But, you know, after time and you kind of look at this, you're like, yes, this is a cartoon. But it's also like the point of it. It's entertainment. And it does it does have a few, you know, dark tones in it and some interesting messages about the American war machine and stuff like that. But I think they missed the point. It's a cartoon in a way like half of it is just a cartoon and it's fun. It's entertainment. But 33 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. Come on. And like getting all the the ras- the Golden Raspberry Awards. no. The thing is, is like the whole Oscars, you know, every judge got wet when they saw that Robert Redford and Meryl Streep is in a movie. Like It's like, come on. They don't they live in a bubble. Yeah. And, and this is coming from a guy who likes who used to like the Oscars a lot. They live in a bubble. They have no idea what the common person thinks. They're just whatever. Do your thing. I don't really care anymore. Yeah, and then who has kind of the last laugh? This movie goes on to become iconic and sort of a gold standard for over-the-top these war-ish action movies. Uh, so go figure. You just never know. And you couldn't have, I guess, known in 85, 86, but now it's it's what everybody looks at for this type of movie. These critics and the Oscars and everything, they think people go to the cinema to be moved, to change their opinion or their vision on something. And most of the common man or woman or children, we're going to the theater to be entertained. That's it. We want to be disconnected from our life and watch something stupid or fun or stupid fun, whatever it is. (sighs) That's the last I'll say about the Oscar judges. They can shove it up their ass. You cannot be more correct in that. Yeah, it's just like we just come to be disconnected. Like, just let me see something that connect disconnects me from stuff I have to deal with on a day to day basis. Which is like, you know, that's a Marvel appeal. I know Matt, you don't like Marvel's like stuff so much, but I mean, that's it appeals to a lot of people still. So, yeah, they have the awe factor. Uh, Rambo in like canon films, they had the holy shit factor. Uh, Marvel's got this awe because you know their fight scenes are you know, take years to construct and put together. It's just awes you. Like, that's my opinion on it. I don't know if everyone feels that way, but... Yeah, I'll take I'll take seven Rambos over Marvel any day. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm more into this kind of stuff than that kind I, of stuff. I, I, love your, I love your Marvel takes, man. They're just the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could just go on and on. I just... <laughs> you guys know more movies about me. I don't know anything about movies, man. I'm just a dude, bro, who's like, Schwarzenegger's awesome. Rambo's ripped. Look here, I'm 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 a filmmaker. I've been a film super fan my whole life, and I'm still more like Schwarzenegger, <laughs> action, uh, Rambo, Terminator. Yeah, these are my favorite things. I'm that's how I am too. So I mean, to me, Marvel is kind of like the watered down version of kind of the stuff that I love. It's like I love like the big action scenes, the big fight scenes, but to me, Marvel's just like CGI. All made on the computer, no love, mass market. Seems like one one movie's in the commercial for the next one. 
Exactly. Made by 400 people, made by committee movies and stuff like that. You know, I'll take what a, analytics. Yeah, what analytics say people want to see. So exactly. You know, the Netflix effect on movies or whatever. But I'll take a George P. Cosmatos movie any day of the week over that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take this one over half of the Marvel films easily. There's a few that I'm like, eh, I kind of like those Guardians of the Galaxy, stuff like that. But uh this film's fun. I, I really, you know, you can tell it's fun, too, because, you know, like Spawn, the Rambo, the Force Freedom cartoon, you know, they had a uh, Sega game, an NES game, a Commodore 64 game. Uh, they even had a company that came out with an arcade game in 1986, which ended up being called Akari Warriors. Uh, it was developed originally to be Rambo, but they... They uh, they developed the game, but did, never secured the license uh, and then ended up releasing it in Japan under Akari Warriors. And I think it actually had Rambo in the title there. But by the time it made it to the U.S., they asked Stallone if he would give his likeness for it, but it was too late. They already constructed all the arcade machines and, and then sent it out. It's actually a really good game. It's much, much better than the NES-based uh, First Blood Part 2 game, which leads to another confusing thing. The movie was confusing enough for us, but we looked for the first Rambo NES game all the time when we were kids. And we didn't have the internet and all this stuff back, you know, you guys know this as well as I do. So we just assumed our video store didn't have it. And then, you know, when I get to college and I get more into collecting NES games, I'm like, wait a minute, First Blood doesn't actually exist? The first NES game was Rambo First Blood Part 2? That's so fucking confusing. Just call it Rambo. No, they have to base it, tie it exactly to that movie, that one movie. <laughs> like it's not a it's not an overall thing. It's Rambo First Blood Part 2 colon the game. <laughs> yeah, and oftentimes those games are just those games are produced in a tight timeline too, so the quality is often shit because it's like you have to have a release date to coincide mm -hmm. with the movie release date. That's why so many of them like take another game that was developed by a company and change the sprites and the backgrounds and stuff like that and just that figure out a way. way. Better idea, yeah, yeah. That's why so many are so confusing, and I think that's the same thing they did with the Rambo game here because I remember putting in the game and at one point you're fighting bats and spiders, and I'm like, what the fuck. <laughs> it's whatever uh castlevania thing they had started or whatever yeah. that they were able to convert it reminds me there's a goonies <laughs> game that, there is a goonies game on nes that was freaking awesome yeah wasn't there a goonies it was called goonies, goonies 2, 2. I think it was freaking yes. awesome yes yeah. i had that game and i'm not even a gamer and i had goonies 2 because i was like this is so weird. I have to get it. Like the fact that there's a part two game. <laughs> and I think Gremlins two did the exact same thing where there is no Gremlins one game. Now that one I understand because Gremlins came out, what, 84? Yeah. But why don't you just call it Gremlins? I know you want to tie it to the movie, but it's so confusing for us kids when you're going through the, you know, when you're going through the. Yeah, it was the very video store. Maybe maybe question my place in the world at that point. So, oh yeah, at that point in the world, the only thing that mattered to me was video games, comic books. I think that's about it, <laughs> <laughs> and movies. That's it. That's all that mattered. I mean, the sports that I would play with my brothers in the backyard kind of mattered, but you know, to me, the the other I mean, stuff was like, bigger. I had the 85 Bears and the Nebraska Cornhuskers back then. So it's yeah. like, I had lots of sports teams to look up to. But, 
You yeah. lived in a very small world back then. And I can tell you right now, the confusion of where is the first Gremlins NES game was a big deal to me. Well, and also, too, I mean, like you, you like I always talk about it when we were talking about videos and stuff like that, like video stores and stuff like that. How often did your video store not have the movie, you know, you were looking for like it had RoboCop 2, but it didn't have RoboCop 1. So, of course, you're going to think that for like games, too, because, again, you don't have the Internet. So it's like if they're if they're, if they're missing videos, they're probably missing games, too. So I could see why your brain would go that way and, you know, why why us as kids would think that. And back again before the Internet, we could just look it up in two seconds. Exactly. Oh, drove me absolutely nuts as a kid. Good thing we have the Internet to, like, tell us the truth these days. So, yeah. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, there's two sides of that coin. (laughs) Whose truth? The truth you want to find when you search in. <laughs> whatever truth you can want, you can, uh, you know, pad your views on life with whatever bullshit you want. Anyway, let's move on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back. This is going to be the second installment in our Rambo wing of the museum. Brad, once again, you're the guest. What you got? So many one-liners, but I got to say it's like, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. Don't forget that lightning strike. <laughs> Actually, it's storming literally right now as we speak. So we could if we could have that at any point. <laughs> Yeah, just please don't knock out the power. We really want to <laughs> record this episode. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that line. I mean, th- that thing is in the trailer. <laughs> it's just like pumps you up. Like, fuck yeah. Coming to get you, Murdoch. I don't even know who Murdoch is, but we're coming to get you. If Rambo's coming to get you, you're going you're gonna to get fucked Even up. the Soviets like, what the fuck? This guy's really fucked up. I know. They're about to kill his friend. He's like, okay, I'll read it. They just immediately he's like, Murdoch coming to get you and they're like jesus christ this guy just doesn't give a shit (laughs) and then he just knocks him out and then before you know it a prostitute's helping him escape it's not even a prostitute it's co (laughs) all right matt i've got two of them so whole even if you take my one i got another one i got a backup so go ahead and go exploding arrows it's the best it's the best you watch a guy get blown up from an arrow especially when you're like a six-year-old kid and you don't know it's coming and you see somebody do a bow and arrow and you're like oh cool he's gonna get hit with that arrow and then boom body parts everywhere game changer loved it that's what hooked me into this series hey brad when you were in the military what'd you do with your exploding arrows yeah they were like they were very reticent of like giving us exploding arrows or ammunition or anything really that could like cause another person to like lose their life so are you saying they look down upon shit like this well i wasn't like one of the elite dudes so i couldn't tell you so they don't want you guys blowing up each other well they don't mean like shooting exploding arrows at somebody i can promise you that yeah so okay so they don't want you to kill other soldiers in your unit check okay all right maybe this military is a little smarter than i thought I thought everyone would be given exploding arrows. They were like, go shoot the people you hate. America. Yeah, it wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't like, yeah, my experience in the military was not to be paralleled with the experience of John Rambo in the military. So, yeah, yeah. let's get that out of the way right away. We should have got that away first off. 
I uh, I did read something funny that this movie is at, at, at one point was used by Iranians to train their soldiers. I'm not even kidding. That's a real thing. <laughs> it was shown in their boot camps. Uh, I read that and I'm like, that can't be true. But it's got to <laughs> be true. Gotta it's so crazy. Gotta it's got to be true. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, most of those guys are most of those guys are probably pretty cool. It's just like some of the orders they have to follow are they're, they aren't that good. So uh, mine is I've already spoke about it when he shoots the gun in the air and kills all the computers. Uh, I find that truly hilarious. And then he just goes right after Murdoch and Murdoch's like, please, please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> that entire scene I fucking love because that's that's the Rambo I know. Very satisfying. He's just like. <laughs> you guys didn't talk about the Rambo cartoon show in the next episodes or not? Because I never saw that in my entire life. No, I we no just I mean, that that's is. all we're going to talk about is in this one because it came out a year. It did like 65 episodes. Which I never saw one. Yeah, I've only seen the intro and maybe a little bit of one on YouTube. But I, I even text you guys today. Who the fuck is Savage? And then I realized, oh, this is this toy commercial. The toys aren't based off the movies; they're based off the cartoon. That makes sense. I just only, never realized it. Yeah, the only connection I, I didn't know the cartoon even existed. I've never seen it. I still never seen it, but I had the toys, but I didn't realize it was based off of a cartoon. I just thought it was a Rambo toy. I remember them looking like He-Man just a bit. Mine mine were like the uh the little the little guys. I don't know, they didn't really look like He-Man. They were more just like the little G.I. Joe kind of action figures. Yeah, because the toy commercial I looked at today, they kind of looked a little bit bigger like He-Man, but I think there were the three fourths Rambo toys also. So I wonder if the three fourths Rambo toys were based off the movie and then the larger ones were based off the cartoons. Maybe. Yeah, I had the I had the three fourths Rambo guy, little little guy. That'll end it this week for our Rambo First Blood Part Two review. It's a long title, folks. Thanks for being back on again. Brad, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us your perspective, your your theater experience perspective. It still blows my mind that you saw both of these in the theater. Yeah, I've been alive for a long time. (laughs) Uh, Would you say you're too old for this shit? You could say that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong franchise, but anyway. All right, thanks for coming on, man. It was a blast. Matt, it's good seeing you again. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Good chatting with you. Always a pleasure. Steve, good seeing you again. We'll hang out. Both you guys next time. We were up in Chicago. Remember to be kind. Rewind.